thank you for tuning in to the Voice of the Victim podcast. We discuss a lot of sad and potentially triggering things on this show. We try to be as sensitive and cautious as possible, but if you are sensitive to things involving abuse and may be triggered, please think twice before listening to our show. There are over 700,000 sexual offenders in the United States alone. With all the social media these days, how can we protect ourselves and our children from these despicable predators? Welcome to the Voice of the Victim podcast, where we discuss criminal cases that involve some factor of abuse. Our goal is to spread awareness of abuse that could be taking place around any of us and encourage everyone to take responsibility and report if they see a child or an adult being abused. Yasser Saeed was a wealthy 29-year-old Egyptian Muslim man who had come to the United States on a student visa to study abroad. He brought his family, including his three younger brothers, with him. The four of them worked together at a convenience store in Texas, and that's where he met his future bride, Tissy Owens. He promised her a life of ease, provided by all of his riches. They would go on to be married for over 20 years and have multiple children but the relationship had many ups and downs. The bright future he promised her wasn't exactly what she had expected. Welcome to the Voice of the Victim podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Rosie. And before we begin, we want to say thank you to our two newest patrons, Shannon and John. Yeah, they're a trucking husband and wife team, and they love our show. So thank you guys so much for supporting us. Yeah, we've really loved all the sweet messages and comments that you guys have been leaving for us. So again, just thanks so much for your support. Yeah, and it's cute. I don't know if they heard your comments uh, last week before they sent this, but Shannon said, I'm Team Ryan and my hubs is Team Rosie. So it's a nice little balance there. (laughs) (laughs) I think that Team Ryan and Team Rosie is adorable. Yeah, I mean... Most people seem to be Team Rosie, so With thank two. you, Shannon. Two out of, that's all we've heard. Out Two out of three, that's it. Yeah, but I'm also Team Rosie, so. Suck up. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we want to thank you guys so much. And real quick, also, I want to thank Candice. I think it's pronounced Candice, but it's C-A-N-D-E-S-S. I think it's Candice, too. Cool. Um, Thank you for the sweet comment on Instagram. She said, I'm stopping by to say how much I love y'all. Also, I just realized I've been spelling y'all wrong for like my entire life. But she continues, you both bring so much positivity to the world. Thank you for your podcast and just showing the love of one another to those around. I'm so glad I stumbled upon your show. Keep it up. So that was cute. How have you been spelling y'all? Oh, dope. Y, uh-huh. A, yeah. and then apostrophe L L. Oh, okay. Like yeah, all yeah all. But but now I see it's Y apostrophe A L L, like you all. all. Yeah. So yeah. thanks for schooling me on that. Um, but I just had to share that right away because little comments like that mean so much to us, and they really keep us passionate about what we do. And we'll share some more kind words at the end of the show in the reviews portion. But now, 
Let's jump into this week's story. The story begins way back in February of 1987, when Yasser Abdel Said proposed to Patricia Owens. Patricia went by the name Tissy, so that's what we're going to call her. Her parents were Donnie and Patricia Owens. Yeah, so to clarify, Tissy's Tissy was named Patricia after her mother, so they both had the same name, which explains why she went by a nickname. Yasser was born in Sinai, Egypt, on January 27, 1957. And for those of you familiar with Mount Sinai, or otherwise called Mount Horeb in Exodus, Sinai is a peninsula smack dab between Egypt and Saudi Arabia, with Israel uh, hanging out right on top. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I seriously spent like 20 solid minutes on Google Maps. It's just fascinating to look at the Google Earth view of that stuff. Yasser was the oldest of four brothers in the Said family who had moved to Texas from Egypt on a student visa. And if you're ignorant like me and didn't exactly understand what a student visa is, it's an endorsement you can get on your passport allowing you to live and study in the United States or other countries that you don't have residence in without actually having to obtain citizenship. So I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. His brothers were Mohsen, Yersri, and Yasin. Tissy met the four of them while they were working at a Circle K. Which is a convenience store founded in Texas, but actually owned by Canadians. Circle K? I've never heard of that before. I know. I I don't think they're up here in the upper Midwest. Hmm. Tissy and her friends would go there to buy soda and candy and things. And we should mention, at this time, Tissy was only 15 years old. Yasser wasn't the first of the Saeed brothers that Tissy dated. At first, Yasin was the one who was interested in her, so they had a relationship. But it eventually ended. Shortly after the breakup, Tissy was at a Denny's with her grandma when she heard someone calling her name. They looked to see who it was, and it was Yasser. Yeah, he heard that his brother and Tissy broke up and saw his chance to snatch her up, I guess. Again, it's kind of weird because she's only 15 and he was almost 30, but this was a different time, I guess. Late 80s in Texas. I don't know. To our Texas listeners, was this normal in the 80s? Hmm. Her grandma actually told her to go see what he wanted, and then he asked her to go on a date with him the next day at the Denny's, along with her grandma. I mean... Well, at least he said grandma could come. Yeah, he comes off as a pretty stand-up guy if... If he does that for the first date. Yeah. Still a little weird, though. (laughs) So, as the two got to know each other, Yasser told her that he owned a lot of land in Egypt, and that he was actually quite wealthy. He promised her a good life, where she would never have to work. Again, sounds like a pretty sweet deal, right? Um, But here's some details we can't leave out, because they're a little crazy. Yasser was 30... Tissy was 15, so Tissy's the age this man was when she was born, and also, this is the big kicker, he proposed to her a week after they started dating. What? Yeah. This is going really fast. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Well, he wanted to get married immediately, but Tissy's family wanted wanted time to plan, so he was like, how about in a week? And they accepted. Yeah. This is weird. <laughs> yeah, it is. As nice as it would be for her to marry a rich, responsible dude and not have to work, 
Saying I do two weeks after starting to date is a pretty big risk. Most of us wouldn't want to take that risk. But her family allowed her to make her own decision, and Yasser was very persuasive and persistent. What? She's 15. How are her parents cool with this? I know. Well, he's convinced the family that he's rich and he owns a ton of land in Egypt. In a week, he convinced or that trip to Denny's with Grandma. I don't know. Like, what? This is insane. Mm-hmm. Tissy's aunt, on her father's side, Joyce Butcher? Boucher? Boucher. I thought it was Boucher, but I think it's Boucher. Okay. That's how they pronounced it in the documentary. Actually, Joyce did question her brother, Donnie, and his wife, Patricia, about why they would let Tissy get married so young. She brought up that Tissy barely knew this man. But Donnie was set on letting his daughter marry us, sir. Mm-hmm. It sounds like the promise of wealth and land in Egypt was a huge factor in this. Like I just said, Joyce said it was almost like they thought she was going to be some kind of little queen or princess or something. And Tissy's mother, Patricia, has since passed away. And um, she wasn't in the documentary to speak. And her father, Donnie, refused to speak to the media which is completely understandable, but we can't really get their side of the story on this. It's worth mentioning that the Owens family was not very well off. The aunt described them as impoverished, and they really thought this marriage would lead them to a better life. Tissy did have a younger sister named Connie. According to her, Donnie did say no to the marriage at first, but after his wife talked to him, he gave in. Connie believes that Donnie just really thought Yasser was sincere and would take good care of Tissy. Mm-hmm. Donnie didn't have true crime podcasts to listen to back then like we do, so maybe he didn't realize that you can't trust anyone. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> Even Tissy's aunt on, hers, on her mother's side, Gail, told the whole family that this was a terrible idea. Yeah, aunts can be really good at offering unsolicited advice. (laughs) (laughs) That was uh, was a little inside joke to my aunt, wasn't it? Well, I wasn't going to be that direct, but... Auntie doesn't listen to this podcast. Okay, okay. good. But sometimes it really is for your own good. And we do appreciate that aunts love you enough to tell you when you're making a stupid decision. Exactly. Gail didn't even know about the age difference between the two. She was more worried about the cultural differences. The Saeed family was Muslim, and the Owens were Baptists. So having different beliefs and ideals obviously can be a huge strain on a relationship, especially if a couple hasn't discussed it in depth before deciding to get married. And I doubt it ever came up in the two weeks they dated. Yeah, I totally understand this being a huge... Um, you know, huge wedge in the marriage. Uh-huh. But why isn't she more concerned about the age difference? Why is this being completely tiptoed up? Like, what the heck? I I don't know. Again, Texas is a different culture than up here. So that's really a question we should have for our Texas listeners. Like, was this not that big of a deal in the 80s? Or I guess. Because, you know, culture differences. But... I would imagine it wasn't normal and the family was maybe just desperate Yeah. for money. I don't know. Gail encouraged Tissy to study the Muslim religion in the time leading up to the wedding to try to better understand her husband. 
Oh, she had all three days to study the religion. <laughs> she even offered to take care of the flowers for the wedding if Tissy did her research. Yeah, and she offered to go to the library and get books about the Muslim religion to to bring to Tissy so she could do it. And it's nice to see a family being supportive, even if they don't 100% agree with the decision. I mean, yes, this marriage was rushed and really strange, but as you know, if you have any family and you've been around a few years, when someone makes up their own mind on something, opposing them and trying to get them to change their mind only makes them more resolute on doing it. And people need to learn their own lessons, unfortunately. Otherwise, they're stuck with this nagging feeling of what could have been. And we can't emphasize enough that no matter what terrible things come up during the rest of the story, we can't blame it on Tissy's parents or Tissy herself for deciding to marry this man. It was actually very culturally progressive and accepting of them, which is cool to see these days. She couldn't have known what awaited her in the future, and they weren't doing anything illegal or immoral, I guess. It was just strange. Right. Yasser and Tissy were married in February of 1987, but at the time, Tissy wasn't really in love with him yet. She was still into Yasin, who had moved on, but she saw this as her opportunity to be closer to Yasin. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So that really shows her age, you know, illustrates the 15-year-old mind. Come on, I'm like Kevin in the office. Warning! Warning! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. So, and this is, I mean, this is why 15-year-olds don't typically make these big life decisions so young. Marrying someone to get closer to their brother is a real bad idea. Real bad. But she was 15 and her parents allowed it, so we got to give her a pass. Yeah. Well, fortunately, as time went by, Tissy grew to love her husband, Yasser. But something else really odd happened at the wedding itself. Tissy's maternal aunt, Gail, had walked out out to the parking lot of the church, and one of Yasser's brothers followed her out and asked her to marry him. On the spot. She refused. What? Yeah. That's when she began to suspect that these brothers were looking for American girls to marry as an easy way to get citizenship in the United States. But it was too late for Tissy to back out. She'd already said, I do, and legalized the union. Yeah, so almost immediately after the wedding, Yasser took her to submit his papers to get his green card. So mm-hmm. it definitely was on the front of his mind, and as the story progressive progresses, it'll make more sense. But it really does seem like these boys are just trying to get U.S. citizenship the easy way. Got it. They began trying for a baby as soon as possible, and within four months of the wedding, Tissy was pregnant. But that's when things started to take a dark turn in their relationship. One day, the couple had been playing wrestling with each other, just messing around, and she touched him on the back of his neck. Suddenly, Yasser grabbed her by the throat, looking pissed off, and told her, Don't ever touch me there. Yikes. From this point on, Yasser would beat Tissy. She said that it had started out about every three or four days, but it got to be every day. Yeah, that's a really rude awakening to have, especially while you're pregnant with this man's son. I can't imagine how trapped she must have felt at this point. As time went on, Yasser broke his promise of Tissy never having to work. 
He made her go get a job to help support the family. But to make matters worse, he stopped working. He became became pretty lazy, and on the rare occasions where he did work, he would keep all of his earnings for himself. Tissy's income was to support the family. So obviously, he was not wealthy like he'd boasted about earlier. Wow. At first, they actually lived in a little camping trailer with no running water, heat, or air conditioning. And then the Saeed family said they were going to build the house for the couple. And this must have been a huge relief to her. Yeah, she was probably excited to have an actual house. But the house ended up being a little one-room shack on the same land they were parked on before with a partial concrete floor. And the rest of the floor was just dirt. Again, no running water or modern American amenities. Oh, sad. They actually had to go to the woods and dig a hole to relieve themselves. And for water, for water, they had a hose, which they'd use to shower, drink from, and do dishes. Wow, this sounds pretty terrible. Yeah, I can't. I mean, I guess in some parts of the world, this is kind of what life is like, but... For someone that grew up in America to have to switch to this kind of living is... And who's expecting to be like an Egyptian princess? Yeah. This guy, as we'll see, is very manipulative and will say anything to get what he wants. On one occasion, Tissy had been washing dishes, and she accidentally dropped a cup on the floor and it broke. Suddenly, Yasser grabbed her by the throat and shoved her into a corner, telling her... Don't ever break anything in my house again. A.K.A. Shaq. (laughs) Yeah. He actually told her that he had to raise her now because her parents were terrible people for letting her marry him. And they didn't love or care about her because if they did, they wouldn't have let her marry him. What a scary thing to hear from your new husband. That is, yeah. And he's holding these people to a higher standard than himself, obviously. Hypocrite. Mm Mm-hmm. Sadly, she was too ashamed to tell any of her family about what was going on in her relationship. Yasser would tell her that she was a bad person and deserved what he did to her. He told her he was teaching her how to be a good person, and she started to believe that's what she deserved. So we see how dangerous gaslighting can be because he had her convinced that she deserved to be physically abused and... It led to her being too ashamed to talk to her family about it. I'm sure either of her aunts or her parents would have tried to help if they knew, but because of his manipulation, she did believe it was her fault. Thirteen months after the wedding, in March of 1988, she gave birth to her first baby, a boy they called Islam. Mm-hmm. This is interesting because the Saeed family and the Owens family never really attended religious activities for their respective faiths. But the Islam Muslim religion mattered enough to Yasser to name his firstborn son after that. So, thirteen months after the wedding, and they have a kid already. Can you imagine? Well, kids always help a relationship, don't they? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> They're pretty much the glue to to fix it. <laughs> In nineteen eighty nine, their first daughter Amina was born. Amina. Amina. Sorry, I should have told you all the name pronunciations before we started. It's all right. And in 1990, Tissy gave birth to their final child, Sayria. 
I'm kidding. Sarah. <laughs> I was going to do that joke. And then I was going to be like, I'm surprised you could pronounce that one. <laughs> sorry. that When I said it, then it sounded really condescending. Yeah, kind of mean. I'm sorry. Team Rosie. <laughs> <laughs> Yasser convinced Tissy to let their children be raised in the Muslim faith. And she said it was fine as long as they could decide for themselves what path to take when they got older. So that seems fair. It's a pretty typical situation for religious parents. You can do your best to get your children to share your beliefs, but ultimately they'll be carving their own path through life. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, this was fair, but like either way, they were going to decide for themselves at one point. Yeah, that's so. how it works. Eventually, the family was able to move into an actual home in Dallas, Texas. It was modest, but it was a huge upgrade from the other situation. As Sarah and Amina grew up, they were becoming typical American teenagers. And this was difficult for Yasser to accept. I mean, when you're raising children in the United States and sending them off to public school, can you really expect them to want to stand out? I don't know about everyone else, but being accepted around my peers was something that I really desired as a teenager, and it's hard to stand out as different. When Amina was nine and Sarah was eight, they told their mother that they had been touched inappropriately by their father. Tissy took the girls to the nearby children's hospital and moved out of Yasser's home. Then she filed reports with CPS against him, which turned into legal charges. Yeah, and then the girls shared some disturbing details with CPS. So, we want to warn you, it's about to get pretty gross. Um, we'll call it the Davidito warning. We're mm-hmm. about to share details of sexual child abuse, so you've been warned, and we'll give you five seconds to turn it off. Five, four, three, two, one. I'm surprised you didn't stop me. No, I just wanted to see you count. One. Amina said that her father had touched her breasts. Then she said that he'd penetrated her with his fingers several times, and he'd even forced intercourse on her at one point. Oh, Sarah had similar claims. He'd also touched her breasts, and he'd put his fingers inside her on both sides. Yeah. So, obviously this is a censored version. We don't want to say it straight up on here, but if you're old enough to hear this, you'll know it what all that means and if you are and you're still not sure the documents can be seen in the price of honor documentary when she questioned yasser about it he told tissy that her mom had put the idea in their heads and later the girl said that it didn't really happen so she withdrew the charges against him tissy amina and sarah ended up returning to yasser after this incident yeah. Oh, seriously. And before they returned, Tissy's family was actually being harassed by the Saeed family. They would follow her father, Donnie, to work and call her mom. I wonder if one of them threatened the girls and scared them into recanting their accusations. Tissy's sister, Connie, compared the Saeed brothers to a pack of wolves. If you pissed one of them off, you get the whole pack coming after you. And that's freaking scary especially considering how violent Yasser was on his own. But when you get four of them, they really do damage. There's a photograph that Yasser had taken of him holding a knife up to Tissy's throat. He told her that this is what she had to look forward to if she ever disobeyed him. 
What a sick freak. Wait, he took a picture of himself holding a knife to Tissy's throat? Yeah. It's oh almost like he had the picture taken specifically as a scare tactic to use against her. Yeah. Like, I think she would. he gave it to her, like, this is what will happen if you disobey me again. Oh, my gosh. And sadly, it worked. Like, she wanted to report him to police, but she knew that even if he went away, his brothers would come after her. And once he got out, things would be even worse than they were. Hmm. That's just terrifying. And can you imagine being stuck in a situation like that? No. And she's got children now, so it's going to be so hard to get out. Yeah, because on one hand, she's an abuse victim, and she's terrified of what could happen if she pisses off this family, this mm-hmm. wolf pack. But on the other hand, she's responsible for the lives of her daughters now. And she's kind of got a responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually, Islam, the son, yeah. was really respected by the father. And he actually had more power in the household than his mother did. Mm. So Islam wasn't an issue. But his her daughters, mm-hmm. she has a responsibility to protect them. But she's an abuse victim herself, being gaslit all the time. And mm-hmm. yeah. It's rough. Yasser also carried a gun on him. Another incident happened in the middle of the night. About 3.30 in the morning, he woke up Tissy, waving his gun around, and told her to take her kids and get out of his house. And it was pretty cold outside. I'm sorry, whose house? Isn't she the one working? I don't get where this guy gets this huge superiority complex from. Is he just trying that hard to compensate for the fact that he's a crappy father and husband? (laughs) Anyway, um, so this is kind of the years leading up to Amina and Sarah's teens, upper teens. But now we're going to get into who Amina and Sarah really were um, around when they were 17 and 18 years old. Okay. Sarah Saeed was the more tomboyish one out of the girls. She would typically wear jeans and sneakers and didn't really need to be girly. She was also pretty reserved. She was very focused on school and planned to go to college at Texas Tech and wanted to be a doctor. Amina was the more girly one out of the two. She was a social butterfly and would often speak her mind. She was also more into that pretty chic style. But she also did well enough in school to be offered college scholarships. Yeah, it's funny. Her teacher remembered her phone going off in class often. She was definitely the more social and popular one within the school, and she would get kicked out of class or get her phone taken away quite a bit because she was always using it. Mm. (laughs) So they were your typical American girls. At least this is what they wanted to be. Sarah would usually be smiling even though she was more reserved. The two girls were just happy to be alive. Amina had a secret boyfriend named Joseph Marino. The day they met, Joseph was at his... Taekwondo. Oh, Taekwondo. Okay. (laughs) Taekwondo class doing push-ups in a room full of mirrors. Amina had wandered into the room that he was training in, and when he saw her, he messed up what he was doing. (laughs) He was immediately attracted to her. That's kind of cute. Yeah, isn't it? He was so enamored in the moment that he actually fumbled... (laughs) At the time, Joseph assumed that she had a boyfriend because she was too pretty not to. 
They saw each other around for a while. But then one day, when Joseph was taking off his shoes by his gym cubbyhole, I remember those cubby. <laughs> you have so many words that you don't like. I, that just doesn't do it for me. Last week it was what was the word? I don't remember. Duty. No, oh. it was a different word. Anyway, continue. <laughs> Amina was nearby, and she saw him take his phone out of his pocket and put it inside his shoe. Yeah, she was like, "I didn't know you had a phone," and then she asked him for his number. So after that, they started talking a lot, and it blossomed into a relationship. Who doesn't have a phone? This was in 2007, so cell phones were not as popular. Well, I don't know. We, everyone had a phone 2007. Continue. Okay. <laughs> From that point on, they were together every day at school. People described it as a stereotypical teenage romance. So... Like you were oh, just like I was just trying to say, this is actually around the time texting was pretty new, which explains why she was surprised he had a cell phone. Um, everyone does these days, but at the time, it was a new thing and it was really cool. It was interesting to text, and Joseph actually talked about how he had no idea how to text at the time, and she'd get frustrated with him because it took him fifteen minutes to respond to a normal text. So that's kind of cute. Oh, texting in in high school. Nothing like it. (laughs) The rush of a teacher yelling at you. Do you miss your slider phone? I do. That thing rocked. (laughs) It had like 400 buttons on it. And they were all like a centimeter wide. My fingers were too fat to use it. Well, then you'd have to get a stupid flip phone, so... That's your own fault. I got pretty fast at texting with the nine, the number pad. Yeah. I had it down. Those flip phones were nice because they they doubled as a butter knife and a slice of bag of bread. (laughs) I never tried that. You mean the (laughs) Moto Razor? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's get back to it, shall we? Sorry for that. Joseph's mother really liked Amina as well. So their love went from puppy love teenage romance to a full-blown I love you kind of relationship yeah and it's funny he said that one of the things that initially attracted her to him was his passion for music Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of cool people with passions are super attractive to me yep what (laughs) (laughs) and for Joseph even if he had a terrible day he would always feel better within minutes of being around her she had a strong presence. Nothing else mattered to him than when they were together. Young love. Remember that, Rosie? No. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> of course I do. After you got your wisdom teeth out. and <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Sarah also had a boyfriend. His name was Eric. It was described as a puppy love, youthful and beautiful. And it seemed like it would blossom into a serious relationship down the road. Yeah, like we mentioned earlier, Sarah was always smiling, and being around her would really make other people smile. She just exuded that positive spirit. So hmm. they seemed like a couple of nice girls. Yeah. Amina would often tell her boyfriend Joseph that her father was really strict and protective of her, but it seemed to go beyond a normal father daughter protection. Yeah, in the documentary, The Price of Honor, it shows Yasser with his video camera. 
recording his daughters and making them really uncomfortable. There's actually a shot of him zooming in on one of the, one of his daughter's eyes and saying, look at those beautiful eyes. Like, that's cute when your daughter's a baby or a toddler, but in her mid to upper teens, it's a bit creepy. Hmm, that is different. Yasser was pretty obsessed with his video camera. He'd been working as a cab driver when the girls were in their teens, and he would drive around recording random people going about their lives. Like, why though? Yeah, that that is very strange. The people he secretly recorded the most were his daughters. He'd record them while they were on the street, or even while they were in their own rooms. Several times, the girls would notice him and tell him, Don't record me. Yeah, clearly it was making them uncomfortable, but he didn't really seem to have much respect for their personal boundaries. In the videos, which you can see on either of the documentaries about this, it really seems like he feels an ownership over them. Like, not a typical parental bond, but like they're his puppies or kitties or something. That's really weird. I would be so annoyed at you if you were recording me all the time. Yeah, well, imagine, like, it's not as creepy if your husband's doing it compared to your father. Like, True. Your father should have no attraction to you, like, wanting to follow you around and secretly record you. No. like if your husband i mean obviously consensual videos but if your husband wants videos of you that's normal but your father secretly i don't know it's messed up it's really messed up Mm -hmm. there's a video of the girls jumping on the trampoline in the backyard and he is poking his video camera through a crack in the blinds creepy filming them jumping up and down and at one point they notice him and he says, they saw us, and backs away. That is so creepy that he says, it, us. It was more like, oh, they saw us, and then oh. they back away. I envisioned it being like, they saw us. Well, you should have watched the documentary with me. I, <laughs> <laughs> but working. when this happened, the look on their face when they see him creeping out the window is just like disappointment. And they're thinking, what the heck, Dad? They're visibly frustrated. Yeah. Hmm. Another video is while Sarah is working evenings at a supermarket. He's parked outside, filming her through the window while she's working, just going about her duties. Amina and Islam were in the car with him. While he was filming, they're in the car with him? Yeah, it's so creepy to watch. It makes my stomach turn just thinking about it. While he's filming, Sarah happened to smile at a customer because she was working in the cash register. Yeah, so we're going to play the audio from that clip because you got to hear it to understand how messed up it is. She smiled to the customer. Baba, she has to. Part of her job. She's in trouble. Ground her. <laughs> she opened conversation, too. Mm. She is really in trouble. She's not leaving the house until she's 40. Here we go, guys. I'm kind of tired. We can spy on Sarah another day. So just by hearing that, you can see how Yasser felt about his daughters interacting with people. Even his son Islam was so programmed with his mindset, saying that Sarah was going to be locked in the house till she's 40. So we can just imagine how he reacted when he found out that his daughters had boyfriends. That was so weird when he was like, oh... She's in trouble. I know. 
She has to talk to the customers. It's it's overkill, obviously. Wow. That's like downplaying it even, the word overkill. I know. Interesting. There was a Burger King across the street from their high school, and Yasser would go sit in the parking lot and watch his daughters to make sure they weren't talking to anybody. According to the mom, he didn't mind if they married American boys, but they had to be Muslim. Yeah, so there he is going back on another promise he'd made. Before they had kids, remember, he agreed that he could choose, that they could choose their own path as adults. Right. But now he's just completely adamant that they marry Muslim boys. He's so manipulative. He'll tell any lie he needs to to get what he wants out of people. Yasser found out that Amina had a boyfriend because he'd been snooping through her room and found a note that she'd written to him. Yasser freaked out about it. Yeah, I don't understand how this man has so much free time. He doesn't work, right? I suppose, but he was working as a cab driver True. when they were teens, so it seemed like all he ever did was spy on his daughters. Even when he was working, he kept following the girls with his camera. But after he read the journal, he actually decided to bug Amina's car with a secret audio recorder, which he put in her airbag, because she had gotten in, in a little accident, I guess, yeah. and her airbag went out. And instead of replacing it with a working airbag he just put an audio recorder in and stuffed it back in so his daughter's safety was less important than her privacy this is getting scary i know yasser confronted amina and asked her who the boy was and she told him it was just an imaginary boyfriend he would take the girl's phones away from them and call all the numbers in their phones and wait for an answer then he would mark down next to the number whether a guy or a girl answered the phone. Yeah, that'd be a weird phone call to get. Just you answer your phone and they hang up as soon as they hear you say hi. You know, this guy probably didn't even know it, but he was such a creep. These girls would have been so much better off in almost any house besides his. I say almost because we know how many messed up people there are out there, but he's one of them, so. Mm-hmm. Yasser did not want to risk his daughters marrying non-Muslim men, so he secretly arranged marriages for them in Egypt. He didn't discuss it with anybody else in the family. Yeah, he really just had to be in control of everything. Wow. The girls refused to follow through on these arrangements, and Yasser said they didn't have to as long as they married someone that was a Muslim. But obviously, you can't kill young love that easily. Oh no. In the fall of 2007, Sarah was 17 and Amina was 18, and they were both dating non-Muslim boys. Both the boys had asked the girls to marry them, and they both said yes. I mean, even the youngest sister is still two years older than Tissy was when she married Yasser. You'd think he could let them make their own decisions here. It's so messed up and hypocritical. But it's Kind of cute, the ring, the rings that Joseph and Amina exchanged when they oh, man. <laughs> engaged were little rubber rings from a punk-style set she'd bought at Hot Topic. <laughs> Remember going to Hot Topic? Yeah, like last week. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we still go there. Uh, yeah, we, we're just not cut out to be parents, apparently, because we <laughs> still go to Hot Topic. Right. Because <laughs> that's the deciding factor. <laughs> <laughs> 
Joseph said the rings were cheap, but the love was real. The girls hid the proposals from their father. That's really cute. The rings yeah. are cheap, but the love is real. Uh-huh. Like and that. they hid it for good reason. I think most parents realize this now, but when you're when your parents are over controlling or they overreact about things when you're honest with them, you just don't want to be open with them because you fear what they'll do if you are. And Amina was 18. It was time for her to start making her own decisions. And Sarah, being 17, was close enough to being an adult as well. Kids are going to follow the path they want to when they become adults. And you can either choose to support them or oppose them. And one of those options leads to a close relationship, and the other option leads to a broken family. And I'm speaking completely unqualified, because I'm obviously not a father, but I was a kid, and I remember it pretty well. It's got to be a hard pill to swallow as a parent, letting go of that control over your children and accepting they need to lead their own lives. But that's the way it's worked since the beginning of time, and resisting it leads to broken families. Or in the Saeed family, it leads to something crazy and terrible happening. Ooh. And that's we'll, where we're going to pick up next week. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's okay, right? I Do you want to like, re-say that? I don't know what happened. I just like tripped out. I'm doing it right now. I think this that's is like a good so time. Well. I think this is a good time for, <laughs> for me to bring up um, last week. I forgot to edit out one of our little mess-ups, <laughs> which I fixed now, but the first thousand or so people that listened to the episode would have heard the um, little mess-up we had <laughs> yeah. that I forgot to edit out. So, yeah, that's a little glimpse behind the scenes into our editing process. I... <laughs> anyway, this week we just wanted to get to know the people involved in this story and get a background so we have a bit better understanding of who they are. Next week, we'll be diving into a lot more intense things and the future of these two girls. These girls were right at the peak of their lives. It was all just the beginning for them. Their futures look bright at this point, but their fathers want them but their father wants them to be Muslim so badly. And we gotta believe that he was getting pressure from his own family as well. Yeah, like we said, the Said brothers were like a pack of wolves. They always had each other's backs. Which, in theory, is a beautiful thing to have a close-knit family bond. But when you got the back of someone with bad intentions, things get ugly. So, if you appreciate or enjoy our show, you can help us out by supporting us over on Patreon. It will also give you instant access to three more episodes at the $2 a month level. And there should be a new premium episode out every month. Yeah, and we're actually working on... Um, our next premium episode today, which might be out pretty soon. Um, Hopefully. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Should we just tell them what it'll be? If you like Chris Hansen, you're in for a treat. Or if you were a fan of To Catch a Predator. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it'll be, um, we won't spoil it completely, but it'll yeah. be based on that. So, mm-hmm. And our Patreon episodes are a lot more fun. We're more laid back and we just say... Whatever we're thinking, and I don't edit them very much, so. (laughs) Right. 
You can also get some cool stuff by signing up for our Patreon, like mugs, stickers, postcards with personal messages from us. Also, if you signed up recently and want a shout out, be sure to check your Patreon messages. Now for the reviews part of the show. We want to share a review that really stuck out to us because it was so touching and moving to us. Yeah, it says, has potential but could be better. Reminds me of two stoned kids reading out loud in high school English class. Three stars. (laughs) Thank you so much, Borden, for that lovely review. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) That's not our nice review of the week. We just had to share it because it... It made us both laugh so hard. We actually we don't even care that it was three stars because it was hilarious. It was just kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a real review we want to share. <laughs> right. Um, it's from somebody that we talked about a couple weeks ago that had left a review about something I had said. And if you really want to hear it, I think it's in part one of the Michael Williams case. You hear the police? They're coming to get me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, But this new review is five stars and says, I'm going to let this guy go past. Yeah. Who are you out to get? Hopefully nothing uh, related to the snow. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. Okay. So it says, I came back because I realized that the word dumb is a trigger for me. My grandson's seven and his biological father says that to him. Anyway, I am so glad I came back. Rosie's voice is as, is as lovely as ever. And Ryan, you have really come a long way. Progress. You both seem so much more relaxed, and you aren't just reading a story. You interact with it. I love when you get tickled with each other, or when I know something is breaking your hearts, and I always hang around for your cat stories. When I started listening, I started with old episodes. And when I came back, I started listening to your most recent episodes. Either way, keep up the good work, and I'll be listening. Crime junkie at heart. Uh-huh. Oh, thank you. I love that. My soul is cleansed. I mean, she gave us a second chance, and I think second chances are so important in certain situations. Obviously, it's different when it comes to abusers. But in this case, we appreciate you giving us a second chance and for taking the time to write another review and tell us about your change of heart. That's really special to us. And funny enough, happened. So thank you to all of our listeners and supporters. You guys are amazing. And it really got me thinking, uh, should we delete our older episodes that aren't very good? You guys should write into us and tell us what you think. Throw me if, on the spot here. If you guys do enjoy our older episodes for some reason, let us know and we won't delete them. But I feel like a lot of people uh, come to our show and they listen to like the first two episodes and they're like, this sucks. Well, I would definitely not recommend starting at number one. No. Definitely if you recommend our podcast to any people, which we would really appreciate. That's the best way to grow a podcast is... Um, when you recommend it to your friends. So if you did that, that, that means a lot to us, but, um, what was that? Oh yeah. (laughs) Make sure that they listen to recent episodes and not start from episode one, Mm -hmm. because until they actually start to like us as people, they're not going to enjoy the first 10 episodes. (laughs) I'll tell you that. True. All right. Well, do we have any, Cat news? 
kitties. Um, oh, how about the notebook thing? Just the burrito liking a notebook? Well, we were watching To Catch a Predator scenes, and we had scene. notebooks, and burrito <laughs> decided to jump on top of the notebook, and he started chewing on the corner of the page. And he, like, kept ripping off pieces, and then he started snuggling with the notebook. And Rosie tried to pet him, and he, like, grabbed her hand and scratched her like he was protecting his new friend. Yeah, that was cute. Yeah. <laughs> like it. It's just, I mean, it doesn't need to be a big, fantastic, elaborate story for I people to like. I have a big, fantastic, elaborate story. Why is there someone walking up our driveway? Oh, for the stove? Oh no, it's not. They were just—they're just on a walk. The heck, dude! Sorry, never mind. <laughs> All right. As you can tell, we get a little looser near the end of our podcast because only our actual people that want to hear the end stay this long. I had a story. Oh, tell me. We got a new stove. Oh yeah, <laughs> that is—that is the big deal in our lives right now. Yep. Because it's a flat top, and we were using a coil stove before or whatever they're called and they were uneven so when the pan would sit it would be at a slight incline and all the oil would go into one corner of the pan so now we're excited to have balanced pans yes yep so, i guess it paid off to use them to get the stove for us true i wish they were here today for the person that's coming to take our old stove. Four teenagers meeting my little brother and his friends. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose that would sound weird. <laughs> um, anyway, you can follow us on Instagram at VOV Podcast, Twitter at VOV Pod, and email us at VOVpodcast at gmail.com. And also go join our Facebook group, Voice of the Victim Support System. It's always linked in the show notes. And if you want a Voice of the Victim t-shirt or some other kind of cool merch with our logo on it, you can visit vovpodcast.threadless.com, also linked in the show notes, and order whatever is on there that tickles your fancy. And I think that's it. Yeah, I think it is too, Ryan. All right. Well, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Yep. Team Rosie. Bye. Thanks for that. (laughs) 